Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Red Rabbit Insurance. As a real estate investor, I love working with companies and people who truly understand investing. If you're a real estate investor, I highly suggest talking to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance. Red Rabbit specializes in working with investors of all sizes, both for their personal residence, auto, and investment properties. Red Rabbit recently saved one of our investors $5,000 a year by switching to the exact same coverage. That's a down payment on a new rental. I personally saved 15% by switching to Red Rabbit, which is pretty significant. And Red Rabbit Insurance makes it super easy to get a quote. All you need is the address, your full name, and your date of birth. No annoying questionnaires to fill out, and Red Rabbit gets you a quote in less than a day. Email ryan at redrabbitinsurance.com or go to the website redrabbitinsurance.com or call 1-800-560-3015. That's redrabbitinsurance.com. Call today to save some money and get better insurance rates for your investments. All right. So, uh, yeah, these are Real Estate Hackers virtual meetups. I'm Chad Gallagher, the host here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we, um, we run about, I'd say, seven or eight different meetups, usually in person, kind of across the mid-Atlantic. Um, you can find out more info about all of that at uh, realestatehackers.com. Uh, it's our cool little logo. We were going to hold the first ever Real Estate Hackers Conference, which I was super pumped for. That was going to be in April. And then this whole virus thing happened, and someone said, Chad, you can't hold a 700-person conference right now. So that's on hold but it's going to be coming. Um, so in the meantime, we decided to take the whole show uh, virtual. We did our first one of these two weeks ago, and it was interesting. I said to send us comments and feedback, and the feedback was actually better than our normal meetup feedback. People seemed to really enjoy it. So we said, what the heck, let's do another one. Um, so the plan is to actually do more of these and get more organized and get smarter people than me figuring out how to get the word out, um, so we're up on all sorts of different social media uh, channels now and getting things rolling. I'm super excited. Uh, Rules of the road here is uh, there is a, a cool little chat bar. If you want to throw your questions and comments into that chat bar throughout, that's great and super helpful um, for creating interesting kind of commentary as we go. Um, I, I've had a guess it'll be about an hour, but we'll kind of see how it goes and uh, we do post these things into the Real Estate Hackers YouTube channel. Uh, if you missed the one from last time, two weeks ago, we actually have that posted in there and, and we'll continue to uh, fill that up. So yeah, thanks for joining. Uh, goal will be every two weeks of these and we'll kind of see how they go. Really quick partners, uh, before we kind of get into the, the meat of this uh, meetup, um, if, you have, if you guys are in real estate investing and haven't talked to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance, I highly recommend it. Um, we met Ryan about a year and a half ago. He uh, saved me personally probably about 5000 bucks a year, uh, seriously, in, in moving our insurance. He's focusing specifically on working with investors. Um, so tons of awesome products, really understands the landscape, works with 40 different uh, carriers. And I, I don't go a week without someone seeing me 
giving me a big hug and saying, thanks for introducing me to Ryan. So uh, I, I wish they were that happy to see me all the time. Uh, so it's Ryan at redrabbitinsurance.com if you're interested in kind of getting a quote. And uh, they're actually doing quotes now. So no, uh, no change in the kind of current COVID uh, climate. And then last thing here, I started a, a private management company called Slate House. We cover the Mid-Atlantic, Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Manage about 4,000 units um, and also have some agents that help uh, investors uh, buy real estate. I want to just tell a quick story about uh, a real estate property that we bought before we get into the kind of the main show here. Um, so we do own a portfolio. And one of the things I've been really pushing people in this kind of current climate is I think B-class housing more than ever makes a ton of sense. Um, we actually hadn't bought a property in over probably a year and a half. And we bought uh, our first property in a year and a half, got under contract. And it's, it's one of those boring properties, $110,000 single family home, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, B-class. Um, but we did it uh, one, we feel really good. That's going to work. It's going to run for 1100 um, We were actually able to get an agreement for a little under 100 k We're going to buy it in cash, uh, fix up the flooring, and then refi it. But we're going to do something that's a little different. We've been buying in a lot in LLCs recently uh, as we bought some more multifamily stuff. But we're actually going to buy this in our own name and uh, something that I, I definitely believe in is not necessarily buying everything in an LLC. And I know this is very... Uh, you know, it's a tricky topic and there are different people with different feelings on it. But for us, by buying this in our own name, we're able to lock in a 30-year loan at probably about a 3.5% interest rate. And so as you just think about inflation, as, other, as, as that rent goes up with inflation over the next 30 years, this thing's going to be uh, cash flowing a lot more in years 20, 25, 30 than, than it will today. And so we're able to kind of use inflation to our benefit lock in that three and a half percent loan. And uh, again, it's a, it's a boring deal, but don't out there, do not think you have to do the 500 unit multifamily deal to uh, be a successful investor. And I think right now there's a lot of, it's gonna be a lot of small deals where people just need some cash. And that's what this was. So that's my kind of quick story to get started. Tonight's topic is creative landlording. I am super pumped, even more than normal. We have some awesome, awesome guests. Let's get to them uh, first. Uh, from Virginia, uh, hailing from the Hampton Roads area now, used to live in, in Baltimore and, and, and other areas before, uh, Phil Capron, awesome multifamily investor, doing all sorts of creative stuff. Phil, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us here. Hey, Chad. Thanks for having me. Very, uh, very stoked to be here and to collaborate and learn and um, you know, share kind of some hard lessons and some uh, strategies that we've employed over the last few years. Awesome. And then coming from the other coast, uh, this being California, I believe, Al, you're still coming out of uh, Sacramento. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're but, never uh, wrong. Oh, uh, there you go. And, and I'll tell you a funny story about Al. So Al has this thing, maybe he'll talk about it, the green goblin. Am I, am I saying that right? Gobbler. Gobbler. And uh, I had him on the podcast about a year ago. And he's, he's going on and on about this green goblin thing. I've never heard of it before. Um, but sure enough, I meet another person from Sacramento who's an investor. And this is like nine months later. And we're talking about just random things. We're like 20 minutes about his investing and stuff. 
And wouldn't you know it, in the conversation, he brings up the same Green Gobbler goo that Al Williamson has made famous by talking about it to all of his guests across his different uh, – and I said, this is not a coincidence. It's someone else from Sacramento. And I said, did you get that from Al? And he said, you know Al. So the, the landlord scientist, thanks for joining Al. Uh, tons of creative ideas and, and kind of bringing all sorts of great stuff to uh, the table here. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for the, um, the flowers and chocolates. <laughs> that wasn't from me, Al. That wasn't from me. Uh, cool. Uh, and, and I said it before, but just a reminder, we are using the group chat to the, the, the side, uh, which is great for both asking questions that may come up and also just creating dialogue as we uh, roll through here. So, um, cool. My, uh, my first question for the group, I guess, is let's just start with uh, obviously top of mind to a lot of people is COVID and everything going on with COVID. Um, Al, I'll start with you, actually. And uh, what, when, when you think about uh, what's going on right now, I guess my first question is, how are you spending the majority of your time on a weekly basis with everything going on right now? Well, I run um, furnished rentals, as some of you may know. So uh, most of the time, really not much to do. What's funny is in the hospitality industry, the hotels have really, have really taken it on the chin, almost 80% down um, what's going on because business travel is just out. But extended stays, which is my focus... Is, is more popular than ever. So let's see, I'm down to one vacancy that just happened. But otherwise, I'm, I'm, fully, I'm fully occupied and nothing to do. I'm just working on my side projects, which, which, is, which is helping other people fill their units, things like that. So, Al, let's just let's pause there. So you're saying, uh, so you're, you run a bunch of short, short-term housing, and you are saying that you are not seeing uh the vacancy really hit your units and, and and your rent collection looks pretty normal you wouldn't even know anything's going on right now i did lower my prices okay just because because uh anyone going anywhere now is is bargain shopping right none of us would none of us is going to pay full price for anything right now when you so. say lower what are we talking 10 percent? lower 20? my rents no no i know uh, yeah about 10 percent sometimes and i made i made a decision earlier on before the seriousness of it came out was uh, my planning scenario was that it, it was serious and that people will wake up later. Whether I was right or wrong, I, I decided I was going to take a 10% haircut and, and uh, go after the best extended state travelers I could find. So that's, that's, that's the, the method I used. So, so on that side, it's boring because I'm, I'm full. But on the other side, I've been, I've been looking at well, what's the new era going to look like? What's because things are going to things are going to change, um, just like they did after SARS and nine eleven. Um, there's going to be new policies, new expectations. So I decided, hey, let me get out there and see what I, what's going to be the new norms. Let me start investigating in case Chad calls me. <laughs> uh, uh, so what have you? Uh, any, any, I guess let's go to Phil first. I want to I want to pause you there. Um, and, and I do, there was a quick question of short-term housing, how long that is. Is this mostly week stays, day-to-day? How, how do you? Well, I call uh, 30 days and longer. Push you into that month-to-month landlord category. That's, um, that's my focus. Okay. Yeah. Um, like traveling nurses and stuff like that? That's right. There's a, there's a lot of um, 
healthcare professionals moving about right now, and uh, also people, construction is still going. Big For construction sure. hasn't stopped. So, you know, there, people say, well, other, are there any other really good niches? like for folk, for other folks that are doing STRs to maybe lock in a little bit of a longer. Um, so yeah, yeah. I don't check. Can, can I have a, can I have a minute to answer this question? Absolutely. You don't even need take, to ask. You just, just, I, just go. Can I take over? Can I take over the screen? Yeah, man. Okay. So, so here, right here is, um, Oh boy, here we go. Look at this. So here's seven target audiences that are needed right now. we got, um, there's people who just want to take care of their elderly, so they want to isolate them, get them, get them out of a nursing home, things like that. So there's lots of opportunities there. People who want to shelter, and just putting a, um, you know, that this is a safe house, just a, a for rent sign with the fact that it's for people wanting to isolate in front of your your house. You can get that booked up. Just your neighbors seeing that because uh, they got people that that they know of. The long-term furnished rentals are still going strong. People who need to relocate, who are moving to, to your town, um, they got what their options. Their options are a hotel or uh, uh, extended stay um, rental. So, healthcare professionals, absolutely. And then there's there's people people in your direct network. I always encourage people to, to hop on their their own personal Facebook page and offer a hundred dollar referral fee for anyone who who comes out, you'll shake out a lot of people that way. And that hundred dollars will get you into their extended network, which is, which is really a, a critical thing as that whole six degrees of separation. If you do run a short-term rental or uh, right now or Airbnb and it's vacant, I want you just to walk away from this knowing or with the thought that you already know a person who knows a person who could put it in there. All you have to do is open your mouth get the word out. And then last, um, people who are currently staying at extended stay hotels, you can market to them through some uh, geofencing on Facebook and get them over too. So, so there, are, there is a huge need. There's just different audiences. There's still people who need furnished rentals. It's still as strong as ever. It's just a different audience. It's not just business travelers now. Uh, they're, they're not the low-hanging fruit anymore because no one's traveling unless they absolutely have to travel. One thing that I have seen that's really interesting is uh, our number of vacant units is about 50% of what it was in January, company-wide. Now, that, now obviously, there's, there's, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean rent collection is, you know, so much higher because, there's, there's, because of no evictions. We're seeing some folks, you know, slightly higher uh, – uh, number of folks who aren't paying rent and and we can't push through the eviction process, but that's a that's pretty a staggering number of just how depleted the supply is right now, and you know and we manage four thousand units, so that's a, a big enough swath. I think that's uh, somewhat indicative of uh, the entire universe, and, and I think that's actually happening in in not just the rental universe. It's not just the short term housing. I think it's also playing out in the, the kind of uh, real estate uh, purchasing side too. So all these places are low, low supply. So even though demand has decreased, we're still seeing low vacancies, which is, which is really interesting. Um, Phil, let's jump to you. How are you spending your time in this COVID uh, era? Well, spending my time recovering for one, 
um, the building that I just bought, the seller was good enough to to give me an additional to have an additional item convey at the the least you know, uh, turnover and, and, uh, stuff post-closing. She just returned from new Orleans and gave it to me. So it was pretty miserable. Um, I'm a little past a month now and I still have the respiratory issues. Um, you know, some weird body pain. It's just like, you can't really explain it. Um, so I didn't even know that. Yeah. So yeah, she, um, in, in, uh, not to make this story too much longer, but if we would have closed as scheduled March 6th, she wouldn't have been in New Orleans then. Oh, jeez. That's crazy. But because of our uh, our bank, their insurance requirement, they had one item that wasn't checked off, so we had to delay closing to the 17th. She was like, oh, I'm going to go take a trip to one of the hot spots. And, you know, so I was like, oh, you want to want to help me do some stuff? Like, you know, vendor turnover and just all the little stuff in the office. So we spent the few days after closing together in the office, just hanging out the two of us. And she winds up in the hospital and I get super, super sick. And um, yeah. So anyway, that's how I literally, that's how I've been spending. Um, I guess I can, can go into this briefly and we can dive into it more later. Uh, we closed on 104 unit building March 17th. Chad's managing it. We're killing it. April's collections were amazing. I attribute that to the systems that Slate House has in, pro, uh, in place to follow up with tenants and serve residents. But also our gem is our, our leasing agent who just has this rapport with people and this way of dealing with them that like, no matter what the conversation is, no matter how difficult it is, they leave feeling like they've won. Even if they're making weekly payments or whatever so like our collections for april were what mid 90s something like that Low it was 90s. high it was high yeah. and, and phil just to kind of give people a, a frame of reference here i mean i would call this like b minus yeah b minus c, c plus c plus okay. it's um so hampton roads virginia it's uh it's a military uh market virginia beach norfolk chesapeake portsmouth newport news williamsburg hampton uh, so there's a big military Navy presence in a lot of industry that supports that. So a lot of our residents, uh, you know, they're just very blue collar. They're working at the shipyard. They're working a trade road construction. Um, you know, the food industry, obviously they're hurting. Um, and there's a certain population that's just retired. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, C plus it's a, it's a fair assessment. Cool. So, uh, yeah, so collections have looked good. Uh, and I believe you got, uh, you, you, uh, when you took over and had about 10 vacant units mm-hmm. that are getting kind of turned one by one and, and rented out. I mean, we're still seeing good rental demand there. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're, uh, a month in and we've completed construction on seven, three, we were able to release because they had already been renovated by the previous owner to a certain level we just did a clean added a couple things like uh ceiling fans and then leased them back out at pro forma and then we've completed construction on another seven three of which are leased so yeah we have we've got four right now that are that are still in some phase of construction or um you know getting good quality photographs and video so you guys can market us. I, I know this isn't your first multifamily. can you just talk about anything that's maybe different this time us being in the in the COVID kind of time frame, things that maybe you're doing a little differently that you wouldn't normally do. Flexi- flexibility, 
you know, we, we had, um, pre COVID, I'd say a lot of leverage that if people weren't going to pay the consequences were, all right, see ya. But now like Al said, or uh, I'm sorry, the gentleman before, um, you know, they're paying every two weeks or they're paying weekly or we're allowing them to accrue a little bit of a balance or we're using their security deposit or, um, I'm not an attorney. I'm not offering financial advice here or whatever. I haven't heard anyone else talking about this. So I believe I've coined the term of refinancing a lease. So we've got one person that both husband and wife were laid off like uh, food service and a geez, I can't remember what the, the other, the other partner does, but both of them are, are off for severely cut hours. They didn't file taxes in 18 or 19. So they didn't get their stimulus. So let me back up a little bit and say one thing that's changed is we're, now swooping in and saying, let's walk you through the process to file your taxes, to get your stimulus, to file for unemployment. That's weird. Like we probably wouldn't have done that in the past. We would have just said, okay, uh, you know, see ya and we'll, you know, file our judgment and, and deal with whoever comes in next. But now we're really trying to make sure they have every resource from the government side, from the non-governmental organization side. I mean, um, you know, the Catholic charities, the local charitable organizations, a lot of them are bridging the gap and will help people um, that are qualified for some short-term assistance. So bringing that back to the original point is they're back, they're behind two months. They're in an apartment that unrenovated is $835. Our renovated pro forma is $925 to $950. They're back two months. So they owe us What's that? It's just under 1700 bucks. What I said to them is, well, first off, they owed the seller one month, and then they owe me one month. So I don't really care what they owe the seller. So, that, so I'm, I'm only worried about the 835 they owe me. So my proposal is, hey, look, we'll help you with your taxes. We'll help you with your stimulus. Take the month of May off, and starting June 1, we're going to refinance your lease. Like they have to ask for, for this, like we can't propose it. So we're going to refinance their lease at 925 or 950, which is pro forma without turning the unit. So without spending five, six, $7,000, they're nice, hardworking, good people. They want to stay in place. So if we go to the 925 or the 950 next year, we can kind of leave them there or go up like 10 bucks or something. And we're at pro forma without spending that pro forma money. So refinancing leases, that's something that I'm doing in my reposition projects right now at the tenant's discretion or the tenant's request, I should say. Yeah, it's super interesting. Uh, and, and how is that received from that tenant? They're stoked. They don't want to leave. And that's another thing um, that I think a lot of folks are gun shy on right now. Another building that Chad's company manages for us. It's a 20 plex. We bought it with rents in place like 525, 550, pretty low, just slumlord owned it before us. And we figured we'd go in and do our typical turn, which is going to be really nice and get 750 for the one bedroom afterwards. You know, our business plan was to get access to a lot of these units. So, you know, we were trying to figure out a plan of how do we get access to about 10 of 20 keep some income rolling in, but
but then also have about half the complex to renovate the units as well as all the siding, you know, new asphalt, new roof, new landscaping, you know, it's going to look like, you know, a totally different thing from the outside. So, you know, we came up with the plan, um, you know, your, your local leasing agent that we'd raised to 725 because the leases in place were also month to month, which was a benefit. We'd raise them from 525 or 550 to 725. And that should get us at least the 10 vacancies we're looking for. 14 of them signed your leases at 725. So guys, people don't want to move. I'm not proposing that you just gouge right now, but if you're buying value like we do, um, and repositioning and value add is part of your strategy. Like if you're still within the realm of, of market rate, people don't want to move. And I don't know if they don't want to move more because of COVID or if that's just, you know, the, the pain and the pain in the neck to, to find a new place. And then once they start searching, they realize that for one bedroom in this sub market, 750 is actually what it should be. Al, can you tell – you were telling us a little bit ahead of time. Um, I want you to kind of explain how you propose uh, for some of your tenants who are maybe somewhat living more week to week could pay every other week. And explain kind of the, the math on that. The phrase is payday rent. It's because the rents get paid – uh, the person gets paid every other week. So if you make half the rent due every other week – it seems bad until you realize that uh, some months have five weeks and some months have four weeks in them. And as it turns out, four, four months of the year have five weeks in there. So you end up with an extra four weeks at the end of the year, if that makes any sense to you guys. Which means if you're collecting rent every two weeks, you're going to end up with two extra rent payments per year. So that's what's good about it. When you look at your 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 annual collections, you're gonna end up with a you're tearing a, a 13, 12 payments into thirteen. Al, have you have you seen? Uh, we haven't ever tried this. Have you seen a a positive uh, reception from some folks when, when you kind of proposed this? Yeah, I've had I had one person on it. Again, my my portfolio is nothing. Nothing like Phil's. I have a smaller, a smaller one. So um, I had one person over, and lots of other people have told me about stories of this this happening. And it goes it goes right along with human our human nature, our human desire. Like we take our our mortgage, even though we know the whole thing's going to be cost us a lot more uh, for our homes. And they say they break it up for us, and we're like, okay, we'll do it as long as it's manageable for us. That's that's the key. So that's just one one strategy that you can always keep in your pocket. I like that, and um, I might still Phil's uh, refinancing lease if you can put those together. You got a great situation. If you're going for a refinance with the bank, it's all about getting the net operating income up. So even though I don't make any money off that refinance, I don't make any money if I'm not having to turn the unit and we're we're getting up to that pro forma. So then the following years, you know. Renewal is like, ah, okay, we're already here. That's a, that's a good thing. So I just wrote that down. So Chad, I got a question for you. Ah, geez, here uh, we go. And always comes back to me. How would that work if, so Al, I'm assuming that because you're <laughs> under- More work for Chad. Exactly. <laughs> ledgers, you know what I mean? Having all this money flying in all different times of the month is across 
a lot of units can be complicated. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on to the next question. The <laughs> do, you, do you charge the folks a late fee or because they're on that every two week agreement, it's just that's it is what it is. So you say, hey, that's we, what won't, it is. Charge, we won't charge you a late fee. Now now remember I, I currently aren't I'm not using it, but people who are there there you can just use a um, auto draft. There there are services as well that will do those type of collections for you, but there's so many ways now to do a collection every two weeks that you don't have to, that there's no reason Chad can't do that now. Hear that, Chad? No yeah, reason. this is great. <laughs> uh, uh, so I will say this from a property management perspective, uh, and, and I won't get into too many details because we, we haven't done this yet, but look, I think, I think in most things you, you can do. The only um, side comment I want to make is one thing I've learned from kind of scaling up is there is a lot of value in simplicity. Right. And, and I, I'm not trying to say there's not uh, value in, in, in that, that program. I think it sounds really interesting, but there's also a ton of value in, you know, rent being doing the first. And, and I'll just give an interesting story on this one. We bought a building that had 15 units one time and I asked for the leases and the way the leases were worked out, everyone's rent was actually doing a different day of the week. And so it was like 14 units. And so uh, he was actually having tenants pay every two weeks as well, but it was scattered. And I said, like, why the, you know, why the heck is it done this way? And his answer was, well, it's great. Every day there's rent coming in. And I was like, ah, you know, that, like, that's not quite how my brain works. And so I guess what I'll just say is, and the only, just the common point of kind of everything that we talk about today is I think there is, there's certain tactics that work well on a small level and, and can allow you to optimize rent. And there's other things that work better when you're trying to really systemize things and do things the same way every time. And by the way, I don't actually think there's just one size fits all. So I, I think that you can use both of those strategies across everything you do in investing. And sometimes it makes sense to get more niche and, and do things a certain way because the upside's there. And other times, you know, you're willing to kind of give up some of those, you know, for the simplicity of just rents doing the first, keep it really simple. So, you know, but I, I also, and the last thing I'll say on this is just tech has made things a heck of a lot easier to systematize stuff that even before was more difficult to systematize. So I want to jump to another topic here, and that is just finding tenants. Uh, I saw a comment in the, on the rail here about, you know, are you able to find tenants? I know I have some thoughts on this. We've actually been shocked at our leasing and how many leases we've done. Our leasing, just as a quick data point, I know people love data. Is uh, it's about it's down about twenty five percent from our normal leasing, which sounds like a lot, but you know I think that given everything going on, I think that's actually not that crazy of a number being down. Uh, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about how are you guys attempting to find new tenants, and Al, I know you talked about kind of going after certain niches, but even from just a more basic standpoint of you know in most places you can't do kind of showings in person. Um, are, are you, do you have like videos recorded of each unit or an Al, I guess we'll start with you and then maybe jump to Phil of how you're thinking about doing leasing in, in this kind of, uh, COVID era. There's a couple, couple of tricks I'm going to share with you. One is I, I do video. I always do a video walkthrough and I throw it up on a, on YouTube. So I always have that in my pocket. And then I create something, um, Google has a, something called, uh, sites, Google sites. Have you heard of that chat? No. It's a simple, free, if you have a Gmail account, then you have, a, um, you can pull together really simple websites very quickly and they integrate to YouTube. Very, very easy drag and drop. If you can do something in Word, whatever you can do in Word, Microsoft Word, you can, you can create a website now. So I, I throw, I embed a, a 
walk through video and I answer all the questions. And I even put instructions on how to use the, the air conditioner. I, I, I use the product manual, I link right to it. So, so that keeps, me, keeps the showings down. I, uh, I have digital locks, so I want people to check out the video. If they're interested further, then they can use an access code to go into there. So that's, that's one thing that keeps me from having to do it in person. And um, let, me, let me add to, uh, let me share the second thing. Coming from the extended stay furnished rental universe, I, I was hitting one sticking point with this one unit. And I, I, I realized that I, my, all my sales copy or all my descriptions in there were kind of pre-COVID. They were like, oh, the great restaurants and everything. I was bragging about, well, they're all closed now. So just to wake up that, hey, even how I describe my units, I got to change that because I'm, I'm stuck in this pre-COVID thinking. So what I did is I, it's allergy season here in, in uh, Sacramento, California. So I changed it to, um, you know, purified air unit and talk about allergy relief. And I talk, talk about air purifiers that I'm, that I'm going and I talk about how we're, we're using um, ozone treatment before a person walks in. So one day of that, and I got two inquiries that I'm chasing down right now. So where, where I was stuck before uh, repeating things that, that wasn't working, and I was wondering why I was stuck, is because I wasn't waking up to the fact, even though I'm the landlord scientist, I wasn't waking up to the fact I need to try something different because yeah, things, awesome. things have changed. Phil, I know you've had uh, good leasing success. Do you want to talk about some of the things we're doing down there in Virginia that's a little bit different maybe than what we would have done kind of pre-COVID? Sure. Uh, so we're having a nice little conversation here on the bar, you know, about like how do you determine rent increases, when to increase, when to not, you know, and, and, and how, how does that all work? And it's so subjective. I answered it with my attorney's favorite answer. It depends, Right. There's so many factors. Does a unit have dedicated parking? Is it unrenovated, like classic style? Is it partially renovated? Is it fully renovated with stainless steel? Does it have a view? Is it on a corner with additional windows? And if you're managing stuff yourself, you have to understand what is important to people in your building or in your single family homes that they're gonna select you over the others to start. That's, that's the key, it's to get them in the, in the door. Or, you know, more to Al's point is to put out compelling content advertising so that they'll at least give you a chance to answer the phone and to give them a tour. So, you know, virtual tours is a big thing. Slate House has started, um, I think you started just now, the policy where basically as owners, we'll just go in and video unit as soon as it basically becomes available and it's like clean, you know, maybe we're still doing a couple things to it. But so someone new could get the idea and we actually, as owners or managers, will narrate it and people think that's super cool. Yeah, one, one thing I'll even add that's kind of been interesting is even with occupied units, um, we are, you know, you'd think like occupied unit during COVID, you can't be like, let's say someone gives notice, right? And let's say they give notice that June 1st, they're moving out. When we first started in this COVID stuff in, in March, our kind of gut reaction was, okay, well, you can't post that for rent. But what we're finding is actually, uh, let's just say you have, a, you have a vacant unit, someone gives notice, but let's say you don't have any pictures, you don't have a video. We found that even just asking the tenant, hey, 
rather than tramping through the place, do you mind taking a video, taking pictures and putting it up online? It actually turns out that everybody wants to do that, right? Because nobody wants extra people tramping through their house. Um, so we've had a lot of success in actually getting the, the current tenant to even do a walkthrough and even, even narrate their own unit. And I know a lot of you are into um, staging units. I know it's a little bit unconventional to kind of show a unit that has somebody in it, but the, there's a huge win actually. And that is the unit's already staged <laughs> right now. Obviously it depends on who that tenant is and how messy they are. And is the staging what you want or not? But um, we've actually had a ton of success of leasing things out where um, basically our team is never in there at all. It's like maybe it's a unit we've never been in and the tenant, uh, the current tenant takes a video and uh, does the walkthrough and does actually a really good job of selling the thing for us, sends us the video. We put it up online. New tenant sees it, says, look, I need a place to move into. Uh, you know, I'll take this. And then what we usually do is at move in, there's some clause in the lease that just says, look, we'll um, kind of put anything on the move in sheet that, that is maybe messed up or whatever since, since the tenant has not actually seen the unit yet until potentially actually move in day. Um, so just kind of a unique little idea that, that actually even current tenants can show. And I, I'll tell you, one of my pet peeves is, when someone gives notice, you know, and they're moving out one or two months out, I, like our general philosophy is we're not waiting until they move out to get the, the unit uh, marketed. And uh, it's interesting. Even our prime managers, uh, who I think do a phenomenal job, you know, sometimes you got to kind of push them along because maybe they don't want to have to deal with and be showing a unit with someone in there. And I say, look, I'd rather you not go in the unit at all, but at least have it up there and let's start getting some um, some interest because I'm telling you right now, supply is at a, a incredibly low point. So even though demand's a little bit lower, you know, if you get something up there marketed and it's marketed at the right price and you've got a good video, uh, maybe even a digital lockbox to show it, these units are renting uh, really fast. Uh, Nate actually said, uh, the other co-founder of uh, Slatehouse today, he walked in and said, you know, if this thing continues much longer, there's actually a new problem that people haven't even thought about yet, which is there aren't going to be any vacant units um, for people to move into, uh, which is uh, just a, a crazy uh, phenomenon that I don't think anyone could have ever anticipated um, previous to this. So, hey, can I say something to that? Yeah, it's, it's hard to add to it, but one thing I just want to underline to to myself and to everybody is that at this point in time, anything is is, is appropriate. You can ask anything right yeah. now. We all the all the previous norms, the the pre. CV-19 norms, just drop them and start imagining because people will entertain it. Yeah. Things that they would never do before. We would never wear a mask to the bank <laughs> before, you know? Well, well, Phil might. Phil might have worn a mask to the but, bank. But, uh... so, th so there's some... It would be an improvement, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't know the boundaries of the new norms right now. So ask, ask everything and anything and um, see if you get a no. I want to throw a topic by both of you guys to get your feedback and also feedback from the group on, on, the, on the group chat. One thing we're uh, considering doing, as a general rule, we do not like cash for keys as a concept. This would be a tenant who hasn't paid rent in a couple of months. Typically, they're in the eviction process. We're moving through it. Um, right now, though, obviously, eviction process is, is slowed down or, or halted or stopped in, in most areas across America, potentially for a while, right? Um, I want to ask both of you your thoughts on being willing to give someone cash for keys to occupy a unit given and specifically given today's uh, COVID-19 
you know, low supply of vacant units. What are your thoughts on, on kind of cash for keys right now? Al, maybe we'll start with you. Let me start with me. So I don't have any evictions. I haven't had an eviction in like eight years, but I would do that, cash that's, for- That's not fair. Why do, you guys, why do you guys start like that? Why can't you just answer the question? Well, I'll tell you, I'm not really qualified to talk about current situations, but I, <laughs> I, do, I would do cash for keys in a heartbeat just to make it, uh, just reduce the friction and, and um, less damage to your unit and just to get it moving along. I, I, I've, I've learned, I've came to that conclusion after 24 years of landlording, I realized that uh, a fast divorce is best. Just pay him to go. Phil, uh, I know you've had a couple evictions in your career, evicting tenants, not being evicted. What uh, What are your thoughts on Thanks cash for, for keys? clarifying, buddy. <laughs> what, yeah, uh, <laughs> cash for keys. I think we may even talked about this a little bit today. What are your thoughts overall? It depends on what class you're in. I think for mine, it's not going to make financial sense. Something that we did discuss on our call earlier um, – that we were kind of kicking around is if people are, are overtly using the COVID legislation, abusing, I should say, um, if we can't evict them, that's cool. I would probably spend that money on a collection company and report their credit as 30 days and 60 days and 90 days back. And then absolutely throw the book at them when it does come time to go to court and let them know that's exactly what I'm doing. Be like, that's cool. You're going to get about three months and then you're not going to, you're going to be moving in with mom. And, and Phil, just talk a little bit about what concerns you about uh, doing cash for keys on, on your stuff. I just don't, I just don't think the dollars and cents are there. You know, uh, if you're at a thousand dollars a month for, for rental and that's, you know, about average for, for our stuff you know, or 800 maybe is closer to average because we got a couple buildings that are like low. Um, we're going to be out, say 90 days, 2,400 bucks. If we, I mean, what's the right price? If we pay them a thousand, does that even move them? I don't know. I've never done it. I will, I will pivot though and uh, let you guys know of a situation where cash for keys is not only advised, but it's essential. If you're doing a big reposition, you know, we had a 12 plex that we picked up for like half a million and we were going to put 250 into it to do the works, roof, siding, windows, decking, whole interior units, replumb the thing from uh, poly to PEX, like everything. And I got outvoted within my partnership to buy the people out. We had four tenants that decided to stay at their super low rents because, you know, we, we, didn't we decide not to buy them out as a partnership because of that the renovation took about another 90 days our in-place rents were 700 750 our pro forma rents now are 1100 and a 50 dollar water fee so how much money did we lose over those like i think it was about four months yeah you know? yeah but, almost two months of rent uh i mean i think one thing that's important about cash or keys is is uh, how much you pay is a sliding scale, mm-hmm. right? and, and, and is somewhat dependent on what that opportunity cost of moving someone out is. And I, uh, you know, I, I actually think we can probably start at even five hundred. I think even even five hundred dollars to to some to some people is uh, is meaningful. Again, not to everybody. Cool. If uh, I if I had the need to do it, then I would figure it out 
and I, I alluded to one of my buildings that's actually in Richmond. That's and it's it's pretty low. It's it's one of the least expensive buildings in Richmond, and it was being operated very poorly, very unethically by the the former owner. So we're in there and actually making sure that everything works and it's you know safe as far as structurally and you know lighting and security and all that. Um, at that point, maybe it would make sense. To, to pay them and it would be a significant amount of money to someone like like that that's living in sort of your bottom quartile of housing um that's not subsidized but you know the stuff that's more solid see i just i haven't had the need i wish i had a better answer for you but yeah just haven't had it let's switch gears a little bit uh, i want to i want to talk a little bit about how you guys have been able to stay away from kind of um uh separate yourself from doing all the nitty-gritty and uh, maybe Phil, we'll start with you on this one. Is uh, you know you, you own a bunch of different properties. How have you been able to scale while you know obviously not doubling and tripling your own time that you have available? So um, delegation of labor is hugely important. And before you even get into that discussion, you have to understand what you do well, what your unique value proposition within a team is. So. The majority of my portfolio is owned in small joint ventures. And then at a certain point, I ran out of money to invest in more joint ventures. So we had to go the syndication route. And if you go to larger buildings, generally, you're going to be pooling money. That's a more of a formal syndication. But I'm not terribly good at the, you know, the property management, the dealing with all the banks and, and all of the, you know, paperwork flying back and forth between attorneys and all that, the minutia, I guess I should say. I'm pretty good at going in and talking to sellers directly, talking to brokers, finding creative win-wins and being able to, you know, secure deals for my group. But, you know, I've got someone on my team who's, you know, a commercial broker. I've got someone who is on my team, um, and I'm talking across a few teams here, by the way, who's an attorney. I've got a CPA. I've got a class A contractor. I've got a couple property managers. So I pad, you know, my teams out with folks that are really, really best in class at stuff that I'm lousy at. And so then once my phase of the transaction is done, you know, I show up for a partner meeting every couple of weeks. I look at the docs and portfolio. I tour once a month, every couple of weeks, whatever, you know, it depends on a phase of construction and exactly what's going on with the various projects, but then I can go hunt again, you know, but if you're the person that's, uh, you know, more analytical and you're into the spreadsheets, you're going to be working on a given project, you know, maybe it's a couple hours a day, but you could be doing, you know, what, 20 projects if that was your phase of the business or the financing. So it's about having a great team. That would be, you know, my one piece of advice is. Al, any, uh, any thoughts there on how you've been able to, uh, scale up a, a, a short-term housing business without going crazy? Well, I, I went crazy for a while. So my scale was going from uh, traditional landlording to uh, furnished rentals and then and then trying to upgrade my um, clientele from there. So as we're finding now, right now we're glad that we have plenty of blue-collar uh, traveling healthcare professionals things that they can afford to kind of um, weather the storm. So we're liking that. Um, as far as, um, now we have uh, 28 furnished rentals right now. And um, we're, 
we we're, we're switching our, our scale. We're switching turning turning that income into uh, purchases of uh, distressed buildings. So I'm switching how I scale. Is uh, some of it's not so always master lease, but um, trying to get more ownership. So I'm doing a couple things right now, um, more than just a- adding on. Um, so, but I, I like what Phil said. Um, you, you want to stay in your genius zone. That was a that was a hard fought lesson for me um, to learn that. That's the best. I, I'm not the best bookkeeper, believe it or not, Chad. And it it just squashes my creativity to have to do that type of thing. So it's it's more. Um, it pulls me back in the box. That's why I don't like. Al, are you are you working with any VAs to help you I out? Am. I work with one. Talk about that and, and how that helps you. Okay, so the thing I learned about a VA is that if you're not getting the most out of them, it's because of uh, look in the mirror. <laughs> you gotta you gotta have a, a checklist for them. That's the best technology checklist, and um, you gotta review their work. So I'm learning that. So I had one for about three years, and um, you know she's good at doing repetitive stuff, but. If I if I need more thinking, I gotta I gotta add another VA that has more executive type of thing. So, but she does the day to day grind, and 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 puts out the scorecard so that all I have to do is look at the my my scorecard and it's color coded. So if everything's green, that means there's nothing for me to do. There's no vacancies. If things are yellow, that means you know something's coming up and we don't have a replacement replacement tenant to move in. Again, our stays are about four months. Uh, our typical stays linked this four months. So, Al, can you just go a little more? I know you told me before about your your scorecard. Is that a is that a daily scorecard? Is that yeah, weird? daily email. Mm-hmm. It's an automated. It's just some. It's just a a, a cell spreadsheet that does a, a date calculation. It subtracts the the current date from the the date the leases um, is up. So I so it's a countdown, and as it counts down, it triggers different marketing activities and reminds uh, my VA to, you know, think, you know, we should think about reducing our rents. We should think about expanding our funnel, doing some more things to make sure that we don't have a vacancy. So we consider vacancy um, a failure. We should never be vacancy. We know, we know it's going to be empty in four months. So let's get a replacement tenant in place. We got plenty of time. So, so, and just to understand, so you're getting like, it's like first thing in the morning, you're getting this scorecard and if things look good, you're just out there playing in the park and, and watching Netflix? Is that kind yeah. of how you think about it? Yeah, that's right. I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> and Al, I just want, I want to, before I move on to Phil here, I want to just say really quick, um, Al, one thing I've taken from you, and maybe you're going to disagree with this, you spend, spend, you spend more time than I think the average person of improving the portfolio you have, um, making it a little more profitable and also more systematizable. Whereas I think a lot of investors, and I am totally guilty of this, are more interested in kind of like buying the next property. I've just, I don't know. I want to, yeah. do, you, do you agree with that statement? And maybe. Yeah. I'm why? always trying to, I'm always trying to get 1% more out of my, my existing portfolio. My, my ultimate goal, just because of my criterion kind of honorary is uh, uh, I, I want to, re- I want to replace all my income from just one rental. <laughs> That's why one rental that uh, generates enough to for to keep me in the lifestyle I'm currently living. Um, this this is this is where I'm content and I'm focused on other things besides 
besides the money piece of it. So because of that, that puts me in a position where I I I, I need to innovate to keep doing things, and that that's right in line with my my genius zone. I'm I'm good when I'm my back's up against the wall, and when things aren't going right, or when I need something, that's that's when I'm shine. If if it's a if it's day to day things, then I'm not the best person for you. I'm only I'm only the best person when we're in the foxhole. So that's what I do. I don't I don't expand much. I, I am working on a uh, remodeling a uh, what's going to be an extended stay hotel. So that is a big that's a big project for me, and we're just knocking it knocking it down a little bit at a time. I don't I can't fill I can't fill fill shoes at all. I don't have any of those big units. Yeah, it's twenty eight. Uh, before we I, I want to hear Phil's comments real quick on on. Uh on him working with VAs and, and also the scorecard concept. But Al, could you just give everybody just maybe the 30 seconds on how you're doing your uh, hotel renovation and what that looks like? Okay. So I have um, some properties I own, and then I have uh, some I master lease as well, furnished rentals, some arbitrages. And I, and I take that, the cash from the, the master lease properties, and I use it to renovate and to, and to pay off this large commercial building um, and also add on to it. So it's it's on a, a corner lot in a uh, revitalized downtown area, just in, on the outskirts of Sacramento. So, so, that's, what, so that's what it's like. Um, just take the cash flow from the master lease properties and, and use it to buy assets. And so you, you bought a distressed hotel and are kind of renovating it and then are going to turn it into, uh, is it going to keep the extended stay brand or are you going to? Yeah, it'll it? be furnished rental. It's not a hotel. It's, it's, it's four units residential and, and five uh, commercial spaces. The commercial spaces will flip over to furnished rentals and we're going to add onto the second floor of the, finish off the second floor of the, of the city block. So it's it's in a very good location. It's a long-term project, but uh, once it's finished, it's it's one it's one of those projects where they can retire retire your kids type of projects. So I don't need to go around doing a bunch of things. I just need to complete what I start here and um, do a good job on it. But yeah, furnished rentals absolutely. Everything I do going forward will be a furnished rental. Uh, as 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 you were pointing out, this becoming more of a rental um, community nation. And people like to uh, relocate, just like it's going to be. Uh, the, my scenario is just uh, rentals will be like Ubers. You just uh, you just move in, and everything's there, just like a more like you see in Europe. Phil, I'm interested to hear what what you kind of established as your niche, and uh, and I'm also curious if you've ex- had any experimenting with VAs along the way. So. Um... As a guy that's not terribly good with the day-to-day, I do like large multifamily because it affords the scale to partner and employ with really great people. Um, You know, so I don't want to beat a dead horse with that. So most of my stuff is is smaller multifamily, you know, 12-plex up to like 64-plex. This 104-build unit is the largest single building that I have, and I I really like it. Um, I'm actually living here while we reposition 50 or 60 of the units to make sure that we're being great stewards of our investor money. And then also, I mean, 
you know, I'm sharpening my pencil on what it is that your team does, Chad. I'm, I'm trying to, to be better and to see some of the problems firsthand, like Al said, so I can start thinking about them. If I don't know they exist, then I can't, you know, put my two cents in. But my, my niche is the, is the bigger multi. I want to I wanna underline that for folks. I mean, the term house hacking has been around for a while. Usually that's somebody who goes and lives in a two or three unit. Phil is house hacking a 104, uh, 104 unit. Uh, multi-unit complex, uh, literally, you know, it's interesting when we first walked this, you told me, uh, I think this is the unit I'm going to move into. And I, you know, when you said that I laughed cause I thought it was a joke. Um, I was like, yeah, this is, this is actually a really nice unit. I would totally live here. And then we talked like a month later and you were like, uh, you had your like kayak and you had moved in and I was like, what, you know, <laughs> you were serious. Um, I, I gotta be honest, I can't, I can't think of another person I've ever met who's done that. Um, but I am interested in, you know, what you're about two months in so far. How has the experience been? It's been interesting. Uh, so Chad, I think you know me well enough to know that I don't do half measures. So I say some crazy stuff and like just pretty much plan on it happening. It's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out there, man. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an acquired taste. I'm too much for a lot of people, but, uh, but yeah, I'm here. I'm here. My little dog's here. He was pitching a fit earlier, but now he's good. We're digging it. Um, we're on the water. So yeah, I, I went and bought a kayak the night we closed and a fishing rod. And, and I guess I'm a closet closet redneck. Cause all I do is just go out and paddle around and fish and take pictures of bald eagles and egrets and stuff. That's my day. Um, but on the op side, I mean, it's just, there's a lot you miss if you, your idea of property ownership is popping by once a month. It's not it. I mean, you're not going to see the plumbing that backs up in building one because they keep putting grease down the sink. And now that I went in there with the plumber, now I know that's them. It's not a systemic issue. That's good. We had all the, all the, uh, the waistlines cammed before we bought it. And I'm like, why are we having this issue? The issue is because everyone's home and they don't have anything better to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, being up on the the roof with the plumber, learn how to snake the lines from actually through the vents, vent stack when you can't get access to it through, you know, the actual fixture, you know, um, landscaping stuff, um, you know, inspecting what you expect across a lot of vendor trash service, the landscaping that didn't show up for weeks. I mean, the, the grass was up to my knee, like the weeds were, and we had a, an uncomfortable conversation. You wouldn't know that if you were just popping by once a month to take a look at your asset. Yeah. Um, the tenants that are causing problems with other tenants, lease that come out that we're like friends now, like the first couple of weeks, I'm like, guys, I shouldn't know you by your names. This isn't cool. Why are you at my place so much? I don't like this. They're like, well, we need your help with this one, this one, this one, and we'll be cool. And there we go. We've gotten rid of a couple of them already. And Phil, so. just to be clear, I think you were telling me you introduce yourself as an employee of the uh, complex. I assume you do that because it's just being the owner would be uh, just too difficult. to. Well, it could, go, it could go a couple of different ways. Some people might want to like kiss up to you but then other people are going to badger you and, and expect special treatment. So my one D class asset in Richmond, I was, you know, doing a Facebook live or doing some filming up there. And this one guy's like, Hey man, I was like, hang on a second. Cause I was like, you know, like finishing up my live. I come back. I was like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, you the owner. I was like, 
do I look like the owner? He's like, no. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's so, right. I love that. Yeah, I, I work for the owner, which is true. I have a lot of investors. So I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, All right. I'm just um, a normal kayaking dude. I want to ask one more question, then we'll kind of wrap this up. Um, and for each of you, I want, uh, look, we're trying to provide value, make this as, you know, actionable as possible, things people can actually take along a, a to their own business. What is, I don't know, maybe something we haven't talked about yet, something that you've either done along the way or tried in the, somewhere in the landlording space um, that you think is maybe a little different, a little unique, it, it could be something small, but maybe something that could be executed by other folks that, uh you know, is, is a little bit different. And Al, I know you've got like 30, uh, but by the way, if people, what, what's your latest blog? You should, you should tell them what your blog is. It's called my, well, my blog name is leadinglandlord.com. Leadinglandlord.com. I'm always doing different experiments. I just, um, let me segue off what you're saying, Chad. I just, uh, was, uh, trying to up the, the cleanliness and dealing with this virus thing. So I've been, I'm working on two projects. One is a, a portable air purifier so that you can take on the airplane with you so you have your own uh, virus-free air. To <laughs> so I'm working on that project. And the other thing was um, getting serious about UV, using a UV generator uh, in between tenants. And as I started doing research on this UV generator, now knowing I have a, a wastewater treatment background, so uh, UV has been around for a long time, or no, 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 excuse me, ozone. Ozone's been around for a long time. And um, I started looking to the science of it and all the things it can do. So I've been nerding out on that, the fact that this $100 uh, ozone generator can do so many things and and save a landlord so much money. Um, Everything from eliminating bed bugs to uh, documenting or giving some evidence that the place was virus-free when someone moved in to... Things to remove your lower your reliability and uh, reduce your your cleaner's time on disinfecting things because that is now expected um, a, a big disinfected step is expected as someone's um, turning over properties these days. So that's why I've been that's my my newest thing. Uh, Green Gobbler was uh, what we talked a year ago. That was the latest technology, but this is something that's pretty powerful. Even pest control, you know, because. Uh, so this $100 device, pest control, bed bugs, disinfecting, lowering your cleaner's time, and giving you something to document that you, the place was virus-free when the tenant moved in. So it's absolutely a, um, on my top 10. And uh, Al, what's it, now. what's it called? It's an ozone generator. Make sure it puts out uh, 10,000 milligrams per hour. And you can use any, any one you want, but I have a, a list of them on my blog, leadinglandlord.com. But you can oh. find them anywhere. Yeah, get and one. Can, can you just give the? I, I know I preluded it before, but you got to you got to give the Green Goblet. Uh, <laughs> Green Gobbler Home Depot. Yeah, just real uh, quick. Can you give the there. the thirty seconds, and we'll we'll jump to Phil because uh, I, I like this. Again, it's from my wastewater treatment background. We add we add chemicals at at the plant to um, break up greases and hair dissolve hair. So instead of waiting for your uh, sewage to get to a the wastewater treatment plant. Why don't you introduce the same type of chemicals that, that break up and they're biologically friendly right there at the clog. So, so Phil, that'd be the first thing I would want you to do before you get up on the roof vent, which is a clever idea, is to um, do a green gobbler treatment before you even take away 
because every time you go under the sink, you break a pipe and have to go to the hardware store. And so before you uncouple anything, before you do any uh, plunging or anything, absolutely do a, a shot of uh, Green Gobbler before you add Drano or anything. That's your first move. And, and just, just to be clear, you're not asking the tenant to drink the Green Goblet. You, this goes down yeah. the drain, right? No, oftentimes my tenants do it themselves if they have a hair buildup or something like that that, that got past the, the screen. This is uh, uh, biologically friendly and is, is safe, so they can do the treatment themselves. And, and Al, if I remember this right, you, you've you got some system where it's like twice a year or something. You actually have someone, uh, maybe even the tenant, actually just take it. it goes, it's like under the sink and just yeah. put put a shot in. So oh, it's, yeah. like, it's like preventative as well. Is that preventative, right? absolutely. The best. So for 10 bucks, you can buy three packages of it. So just, just drop them off your tenant. Just tell them to... Here, put this in your sink, put this in your shower, and uh, that's it. Yep. And there's a question from the group. Is it is it hard on the drains? No. Uh, nope. Home Depot uses themselves as their, their go-to product. You can buy it right at Home Depot or Lowe's. It's uh, 10 bucks. So it's actually it's actually an asset that's going to save you a lot of time and um, break down that buildup. So do it before you have a clog is the best thing. And, Al, uh, Al, I'm surprised yeah. you don't try to charge the tenants 20 bucks for this to make some money on it while you're at it. The way Plus, you always had these crazy profit ideas. <laughs> no, it's saving me. It's saving me. So I'm getting it. Happier tenant too. So since I do short-term rentals, every time I do, part of my turnover process is to add this stuff uh, to, to the, especially the tubs where you have most hair buildup. That's awesome. Phil, I want to jump to you. Same question. Something that's kind of easily executable by, by the audience uh, that that you've you know done along the way that has led you to some more success. At risk of sounding way too rudimentary, answer the phones or make sure your people are answering the phones. As long if I'm assuming that you're priced relatively competitively and that your product is relatively competitive as far as finishes, cleanliness, location. If everything else is same same. The one that's going to get that lease is the one that answers the phone, is friendly, and works to get them to, sh- to see the unit. And it boggles my mind how many property managers, Chad knows some other, some other ones that I've worked with in the past down here in my market, it's like you call to tour the unit or do something and you can't even get someone to work with you. That is the most important thing you can do. You get leads in the top of the funnel and when they actually want something from you, you got to deliver and you got to deliver first because they probably called five properties. Get them I'm, in to see a property and you'll get the lease. I'm gonna give a quick plug here to uh, just using virtual assistants. Um, I, I think if there's one thing that's changed our business in the last 12 months, it's been the uh, input of virtual assistants. Um, ours come from Mexico. And, um, but I, you know, I think that where, you, where they hail from doesn't really matter. Um, and I just, if, if, you know, maybe this is my, my one takeaway for the group here. There's been some, some good stuff. I, I think one of your goals for the next 12 months should be, can you bring on a part-time VA to help your business? Um, and I just, I mean, somewhere on your goal list for 2020, that should be on it. Uh, I, it has changed our, our entire business. We now have, I think, 15. Um, I'm not saying you need 15. Um, but the reason this came to mind was, um, we, well, I mean, first off, our retention has been better with that, that group than it would be, um, with entry level Americans. Um, and that's, by the way, that's something 
for or against. Um, number two, our output of work has been actually higher quality. And that's not necessarily saying that they're better or worse. It's just saying, I think, look, a happier employee produces better work. Um, but then number three is, look, just being honest, by a lo- lower price point, a lower price point doesn't just mean saving money. It also means that you can do things you couldn't have done before. So we took what was before probably two or three receptionists and turned that into four or five, right? And by the way, still actually lowered our probably our cost basis. And then not just that, but um, those folks are, are were willing to work on weekends or willing to work nights or willing to work American holidays where we didn't have coverage before. So long story short, our, I mean, we were just getting badgered a couple of years ago of, I can't get a hold of Slate House. And that has just plunged to something we never really hear. And um, that has been a game changer for us. And now we've started to move down the mount- mindset of, and again, I, I realize this is, you know, there's some people who are very higher America. And so it's a bit, uh, contentious, but from our perspective, it's look. We want Americans doing awesome, challenging intellectual work, but what else can we do to bring on folks that can can do skills and tasks that maybe even at a better rate um, than we're being done here? And and one by one, we've seen the work the work quality has gotten better, and that's been the biggest thing when we started this this kind of VA thing. Everyone thought in our company that a VA would output work at a lower level. And that's just the reality. That just so everyone knows that's what we faced in, on our team, um, our leaders, our entry level. Everyone felt had a negative connotation with that. And I think we've been able to fight through that to say, no, this is just our, in our case, it's, it's our Slate House Mexico office. And we have an office there, just like we have office, they actually all congregate at the same place when it's not COVID-19 going on. And uh, they, they love the, com- the company. We go there with one of our leaders every, every few months to check in. Um, it's just been a game changer for us. So I, I would challenge you all to think in 2020, can you bring on a part-time VA in some way, shape, or form? I think it's a game changer. We've heard, it's been talked about a few times here and, and I think it could change your business. So cool. Well, look, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, guys, this has been awesome. I think everyone got a ton out of this. I knew they would. Could you just give folks maybe a way to get in touch with you? Um, if they want to learn more about uh, short-term housing. They want to learn more about syndications. Uh, you know, each of you kind of handle very different uh, things. Um, so maybe just kind of, uh, you know, what's the best way to, to reach you guys? Yeah, for, for me, you can um, check me out my blog, which is uh, leadinglandlord.com. There's always a bunch of experiments to help landlords increase their income by finding ways to lower their expenses or find a new income stream. And I do a lot of coaching and training for people interested in this uh, extended stay version of Airbnb. And you can find that at extendedstaylandlord.com. Thanks, Al. Phil, uh, we're what's your... We're spelled uh, out there, Al, because we're doing our first extended stay building. So I'm definitely going to be checking okay. out. So I don't, I don't do like a ton of this. Um, I, I, I uh, mentor, you know, multifamily investors through um, a gentleman named Michael Blanc. He's got a podcast. He's based out of Northern Virginia, does some big events all around the country. So, um, you know, you can check out some podcast interviews I've done with him and, you know, some of the other multifamily guys. Um, Bigger Pockets might be the best way to connect with me. So if you shoot me a message on BP after friending me there and let me know that you're on Chad's call. Um, I'll send you a calendar link. And if you want to dive into something further, multifamily, 
like, let's hop on a jam for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. And, you know, if I can be of service, um, you know, definitely happy to do so. Uh, I wrote a book. So if, if you're trying to do me any favors, I don't know if you want to or not. Um, but uh, I was in the Navy, a special ops in the Navy. So I wrote this book that you probably can't see because of my background. Let me turn off the background and see if I can. Or even better, can someone put that uh, one we throw in the notes here of the Zoom? uh, Bam. Oh, you did it. Okay. Yeah. It's your VA loan. So the Veterans Administration loan and how it can make you a millionaire. Uh, I've got a soft spot helping out, you know, my uh, brothers and sisters that served, trying to get them started with their um, VA loan, which is a zero down option um, to get their first primary residence and kind of get the ball rolling from there so if you pick that up write me a review on amazon i'd greatly appreciate it one of my goals this year is to be the number one book in the space um hey just just a quick plug for phil's book there i think uh look i one of my kind of pet peeves is people give really bad gifts um and if you've got a friend or significant other or family member or anyone who is in the military or was in the military what a killer gift that would be! Your VA loan, but so I imagine that would apply to people who are out of the military now too, right? Yeah. So, so you know, there's certain rules whether you have eligibility or not. But pretty much, if you've served recently, you're 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 in there unless you got like a dishonorable discharge or something like that. What what, a, what an awesome gift to give someone instead of giving them uh, a new shirt by J Crew or I don't even know what people give for gifts anymore. But they, that's a bad, I guess J Crew was out of business. So you're probably giving that. What do you give now? Now you give a, a Walmart t-shirt or I don't know. Whatever you, clothing. I hate, I hate clothing gifts. I hate bad gifts that don't make people any money. Uh, change someone's life. Give them an awesome book. That's awesome. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for joining. Really great stuff. And we'll be doing this every two weeks. We'll actually have the same URL uh, starting next time. So it'll be the same kind of custom URL all the time. We, we're, you know, we're trying to get social, get techie here. Uh, thanks for joining. Shoot me a note if you want to talk more, have uh, feedback on this. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys all soon. And uh, a video of this will be in the YouTube uh, channel here, hopefully by tomorrow, in case uh, there's anything you wanted to uh, rewatch. So thanks so much, guys. And, and Phil, Al, thanks a lot for joining. Stay safe, guys. And, and please stay busy. Keep buying houses. It's a good time. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. I have one more request. If you like this show, could you just please give us a review on Apple Podcasts? I'd really, really appreciate it so more investors can hear about us. Follow us at Real Estate Hackers on Instagram if you're cool like my wife. And if you have a great real estate hack, hit me up. Maybe we'll get you on this show. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production Eric and team are unbelievable. Thanks for all you do for the show. See you soon.